All right, please turn your Bibles tonight to the book of Philippians. Not a particular chapter, not a particular verse, but the entire book of Philippians. Yes, in one night. You know, I have a sermon on CD and uh, that, that a preacher I know recorded. And this, what I'm doing, it reminds me of his sermon a little bit. From Genesis to Revelation, he said something about Jesus Christ in every book. Or, you know, you take a book like Esther and, and, and what refers to what could only be the Lord Jesus Christ. But he said something about uh, Jesus in, in every book of the Bible. And so if he took a one minute to do that, that would be 66 minutes. He, he got it all done in 50 minutes. He was preaching fast, though. So tonight, we have one book of the Bible, and we have 14 points to make. So, so I think we can do that in about 37 minutes at, at the most tonight. We'll see. Good guidance for Philippi. Good guidance for Philippi in every church is what we're going to, to see tonight. You know, and, and as we think about how God used Paul to write to churches and also to people. He always wrote and had encouragement for them. He encouraged them. He pointed out things that they needed to work on also and how things can get better. He pointed out the help that they need and he also would consider some things that were hurting the church. He, he pointed out all of these things. And even, even to Corinth, you think of Corinth and, and you know that you picture a list of carnal actions and things that were going on there. And Paul addressed every one of those things. And it was a carnal church at the time, but he still started out with encouragement. He used the word sanctified, and he used the word saints in reference to them. He desired upon them grace and peace, um, and he was thanking God for them. And then after the opening salutations, he dove right into divisions and, and things like that. So he, but he covered it all. And so to Philippi, he'd, he wishes the same thing for them, the grace of God... What are we going to do without the grace of God and, and His peace? And He was thankful for them. He remembered them. He remembered them in prayer. He was joyful over them. He encouraged them at some great things that were going on in the church. They were a young church and so many things were, were going really well. There is something that He really hones in on throughout the book. And, and we're going to have 14 points, and they're all ultimately going to connect to one point that's going on here um, that's going to speak ultimately on the same subject. Uh, not that there are only 14 points about what I'm going to say. When we study the entire book of Philippians, there, there are things that just unfold that make so many more things connect to what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, but these 14 things really clearly stand out. And if I were to try to summarize these 14 points in, in a couple of words, well, it would be the words of one of the points I'm actually going to make tonight. And that is, get together, my loved ones. 
And, and so as Paul's writing to the church, the first place, we're going to go all through this book. The first place we're going to go is chapter 1 and verse 27. And, and some good guidance for Philippi is to have God-honoring conduct. And so we see this in verse 27 of chapter 1. Paul says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Now when he says, let your conversation be, that made perfect sense in 1611. That was speaking of a way of life, a manner of life, their behavior, that they would have gospel behavior. They have professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Paul has led many of them to the Lord. They have received the gospel of grace and they have been saved. And so their lives are to be a picture of the effects of the saving gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so that's good advice for any church and a duty every member of the church has when we go out into the world and also to one another. That, that, we, that we have a, a picture of the gospel in our life to one another. And, and there are some details that are mentioned here, and that would be steadfastness. And so, and so that's the idea of standing firm and holding our ground in uprightness. And, and so this is some gospel-honoring conduct. But not only that, to be in one spirit. God, the Holy Spirit speaking to the church here through Paul, is telling the church to be fused together in unity. You, remind, you might remember a study in Ephesus. We, we went through that whole book about a year and a half, two years ago. And there was so much unity that was talked about in that book and the importance of it. And it, this verse goes on to speak of uh, with one mind. And that actually means with one soul. As, as if they were one soul as a church, they were to be making effort to work hard side by side in harmony, which would require the, the reasonings and the will of every single member to be in line with Christ. And, and when our reasoning and our will is in line with Christ, then the whole church is going to be able to be in line with one another. Not to be in opposition to one another, but, but what does that verse say? It says, striving together, that you stand fast in one spirit with one man mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. That's an athletic term. And so we're not to have opposition against one another. We're to be striving together against the opposition. You know, our goal is, is to... Uh, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And, and as we strive for that, there is going to be opposition that would come against us. So we are to strive together. I, I'm thankful that, that I, as a Christian, I'm not in this alone, but, but I have a church family to, to strive together with in this world and in what we do. I mean, one person can't do it. Just the preacher can't do it. I thank God for, for, for faithful members of the church. And so, and so let's go from God, uh, gospel honoring conduct to 
to a glory. They, they were to, there was to be a glory, but it wasn't to be their own. Look in chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, as Paul writes to him and says, Fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. With church activity, there must be maturity. We can't serve without dosage of the Scriptures and growing and feeding on God's Word. The motive of church workers must be Christ-driven, never self-driven. There is some self-pursuit that tries to get in the way, even in the church, even in God's house where the Bible says, let there be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. But self-driven glory, self-driven pursuit is this vain glory that we just read about. How do we know when something is vain glory and is not for the glory of God? Because the result will be strife as we read about here. Well, That's the bad news. What does it look like when things in the church are happening for the glory of God and people are living for the glory of God and focused on His glory? Well, it's thinking, it's considering, it's counting, and it's deeming others as superior to ourselves is one thing because it's not about us, it's about Him. And we see over and over in this book how we are to see one to another. We're to see one another as superior to our own selves. Philippi is reminded here of of what they need to care about, of what's very important for them. And caring about the effect we have on others. Estimating it as very important that our lives and the way they affect others, it is something for us to be very sensitive about. It's important and we are to be humbling ourselves to divine order and we're to be humbling ourselves to one another. Be like-minded. Be of the same mind with intent on doing so. Serious business. And something else that's good guidance for the church at Philippi is that grumbling was not to exist. In chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Murmuring. A picture of murmuring is the idea of one who would be dragging their feet in complaint and argument. It's opposite of cheerful. It reveals discontentment. As a matter of fact, a lot of times the murmuring will not be of truth. 
It will not be anything really of value. It's just really a result of some discontentment that's going on. And so Paul's writing to them, not that a lot of it's going on. A lot of this may be proactive and a lot of some of this may be some issues, but, but the grumbling was not to exist and by way of murmuring, but also disputings. How about we define that this way? Questioning instead of submitting. You know, there, there are always those questions that would come up in opposition whenever everything is valid and, and truth is taking place. You know, and, and, and so these two things would also include criticism or fault-finding. You know, there's some necks that'll hurt sometimes by such a reach to look for a fault finding, you know, which will, can help cover up other things. But, but there's to be no, in all things, there is to be no murmuring and no disputing that takes place. That, that's, that's good advice for this church. Uh, no matter how important an issue is, all things are to be handled without public or private whispering murmurs and grumbling going on. You know, that, that, that wouldn't be working out our salvation. That would be working us into bondage. So, so the grumbling was not to exist, and that's good advice for the church. But, but now there's some more. Some more good advice for the church. And, and actually, I'll take you to chapter 2 here, verses 19 through 22. And we're going to look at some genuine concern by way of example. We have three who are of genuine concern for the work of God, for the Lord's church. And so let's read about them, starting in verse 19. Paul writes, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. But ye know the proof of Him, that as a son with the Father, He hath served with me, in the gospel, I gave a little title to this of, of genuine concern by example. I, I like that word genuine. You know, that, that's what our aim is to be as Christians, to be genuine. I, I, I want to be genuine. It might not be politically correct, but I want to be genuine. Uh, it, it, it might be a little something from the past generation, but I still want to be genuine, real, authentic, and true. Th these words are to describe the functioning that takes place in the body. Never, never, never right motions with wrong motives. Never something just to pacify. You know, Paul sends someone genuine to help the church, to help Philippi. And he sends young Timothy. Now Paul could have sent a more seasoned saint. He could have sent a man more experienced maybe. But Paul sends Timothy to Philippi for him to help out with things going on there. 
Timothy was genuine, he was sincere, and he was willing to sacrifice. He cared about the business of Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul sent him. It's a sin to seek our own self-interests and neglect the interests of Jesus Christ. We must prefer truth and righteousness over getting our way. The world wants to get their way. But that's not the way it is to be in the church. That, that kind of infilters in this world, in Christianity some. And it's, it's stepping over into the church. But on a positive note, how refreshing is young Timothy that he is the one who is being sent to this church. He is willing to travel. He's willing to go there. He's willing to help. Don't get me wrong, he's going to have great fellowship with this young church. They are doing so well in so many ways. And so the fellowship's going to be wonderful. And, and, and he's going to be wonderful while they're having fellowship. But... He's also there to help. He's also there to dig in should there be any problems. He's there to, to deal with the things. That, you know, Paul had reports come to him on the church. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he talks about all those things he went through, but then the care of the churches that came upon him daily. He had inward scars from the burden and cares for the churches. So he had report, and he sends Timothy, and Timothy is ready to go have fellowship with the people. He's also ready to dig in and to roll up his sleeves and to help in things that need to be tweaked, that need to be fixed. Just in general... In a situation like this, sometimes it's a possibility, sometimes it's a prob probability that Timothy's going to really get into it. He might be criticized, he might be lied on, he might have all of his words and his ways twisted. He may have experience and knowing this would happen. If he doesn't have this experience yet, no doubt Paul has, has led him and taught him and, and told him that things like this were going to happen. And, and he is willing to go. He cares for the work of God. He cares for the Lord's churches. And he is willing to have injustices come upon him if that's what it takes for the sake of the Lord's church. What an example Timothy is to the church. But not only Timothy, how about Timothy and Paul together? Look at verse 22 and you will see that Paul and Timothy, they're like a father and a son together in the work. You know, and, and the, the, the way that they're able to work together, every pair of Christians... Everybody paired up ought to be like that. A father to a son, a mother to a daughter, a brother to a brother, a sister to a sister in Christ. And so what an example Paul and Timothy are together. It's been a great privilege and, and, and continues to be a great privilege to me to be in ministry with, with you all 
with, with Pastor Stone. He calls me a, a son sometimes, and I'm, I'm thankful for the bond that God has given us. But the, the, the example of Paul and Timothy, but not only them two. We have one more example before we move on, and we see that in verses 25 through 29. Let's read of Epaphroditus and his example to this church. It says, Yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him, but not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully, that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice, and that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness, and hold such in reputation." Epaphroditus was so concerned about the work of Christ and his churches. Nobody, nobody would have, would have blamed him. Nobody would have probably talked bad about him and his health conditions if he opted out. But he went anyway. What a display of faithfulness to the task. These three right here. The Holy Spirit wanted this church to see and to reflect on these examples and make sure that they are continue to be faithful to the work and to be genuine to one another throughout the whole church. Let's look at chapter 3 now and verses 15 and 16. Growing but stay growing. What do I I mean by that? That doesn't sound smooth. Let's smooth it out. Verse 15. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, and that means complete, coming to completion, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let me read that again, nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. The young church was growing. Paul had grown. He had grown in Christ and God gave him liberty To talk about it, look at chapter 3 and verses 12 through 14. Paul says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that, if I may apprehend that, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul had achieved growth. The young church is doing well. 
they had achieved growth. But, but what does he mean here when he says, let us therefore as many as be perfect, as many as being completed, be thus minded. And if anything, uh, go to verse 16. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Paul was maintaining his spiritual growth. You know, somebody, somebody told somebody else who, who wasn't singing for the Lord anymore, hey, you don't use it, you'll lose it. Good general rule for, for what we have as Christians and our growth in the Lord. We don't use it, we'll, we'll, we'll lose it. Paul was maintaining growth and, and he reaches out to help them to be sensitive to the fact that we need to maintain our spiritual growth. They needed to focus on the same of what Paul was conveying to them. Look, because life's circumstances are always trying to interrupt our spiritual growth. There are numbers of things, numerous things that are going to try to get in our way as obstacles of continuing on, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before, and pressing toward the mark for the high calling of God, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. There's always something to interrupt it. As Christians we must realize we're not exempt from these hindrances. They're always trying to come our way. We can't be careless with our walk or we'll pay for it. Good, good guidance for the church at Philippi. But then now we go to chapter 4 and verses 1 and 2 and with the words that I summarized all of this with. And, and we'll just say here, get together my loved ones. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech you, Odious, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. As we look at these verses we see a rebuke that is called out. The preacher is called to rebuke, or in this case, the apostle is rebuking. God forbid there ever be rebuke without a remedy that is offered. I mean, that's what the Bible does. It's, it's good for doctrine, teaching us the way to go. It's good for rebuke, teaching us when we're going the wrong way. It's good for correction, teaching us how to turn around. It's good for instruction in righteousness, teaching us how to keep on going the right way once we've been turned around. And so there's a remedy that is offered to these two, and that remedy is to be of the same mind in the Lord, to make up concerning the differences. They're told to be of the same mind in the Lord. This is a short book of four chapters. Seven times we have the word mind and being of the same mind. Then you have 
Then you have words off of that word like minded. And you have those twice. And then you have like-minded. And you have that word twice. So that's a total of 11 times in this book. Almost an average of three times per chapter that we see this. These two who were being addressed, they were out of fellowship with one another. And to be out of fellowship with one another is to be out of fellowship with God. And what's worse is that's not an isolated disease. That's a contagious disease. So they needed to persevere in their fellowship with the Lord. And that means to settle differences. Christians with differences are to settle differences. These two were to settle their differences. What were their differences? We don't know what their differences are, but we know their names. Their names are Euodius and Syntyche. And their names mean something. Euodius. Her name means fine traveling or prosperous journey. How about this for explaining that? She's really got somewhere in life. Yodius is successful. Maybe she's the one who's very organized and very astute of the Bible. And maybe she's all about Bible study. She's not much on casseroles and games. But she likes Bible study. Maybe she leads the ladies' Bible study. And that's what she's passionate about. And then you have Sintiki. Her name means pleasant acquaintance or happy. Sintiki is one you, you might want near the front door of the church in a way, off to the side maybe, greeting the ladies as they come in and greeting the kids as they come in. Just this warm woman maybe to make you feel good when you came in. And she's, she's just got a, she's blessed with a delightful personality. Maybe Euodius is tempted to just to be an introvert, though a student of the Bible. Who, you know, we don't know. Uh, but Sintiki may be very outgoing and those you would you just warm you right into the church. And maybe she really likes casseroles and games. You know, she likes the fun stuff. Don't get me wrong, we can't feed spiritually on just the fun stuff. We've got to have the Word of God. We've got to have Scriptures. And I'm not saying she doesn't have that, but maybe she's just real big on the other. How about Bible study and then casseroles and games? Can we have it all? Why can't we do it all? Bible study first, and then the rest. Look, these two loved ones of God needed to get together. And that would be just as contagious as where they are right now in their contagiousness as they are being written to. All of God's loved ones need to get together in the church. And look, look what we have to enjoy. We won't be robbed of our joy. We can grab hold of and keep our joy. Look at chapter 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. God used Paul to write that. He submitted and he wrote it. Paul is in prison, and he says rejoice Always. But maybe some joy is fading among others. 
maybe some, some differences going on, and they need to esteem others as better than themselves. You know, it's a terrible thing to choose pride over humility, especially when we know it's going to cost us joy. Let's be of the same mind and fellowship and keep a good experiential hold on our joy. But not only, not only does all that come together, but look in verse 5. It says, let your moderation be known unto all men. So let's not only grab hold of and keep our joy, let's get away from revenge. You know, when we are willing to lay down a revengeful mindset, don't let that mind be in us. You, you know what that can be replaced with? How you like my definition for moderation? A sweet reasonableness. It goes from that to a sweet reasonableness. When we let God do that work on us. And we'll want to show that to everybody. We want to hide a vindictive spirit. But we want to show a sweet reasonableness to all. It's good and it's healthy to church. And, and, and we'll want everyone to see we're growing and how to communicate among our brothers and sisters in Christ in a God-glorifying way. And, and self-glorification goes out the door. How about this? How about this bringing us together? We're going to be with the Lord soon. That's still in verse 5. Moderation's not the only thing in verse 5. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. There's a great reason to be of the same mind. There's a great reason for these two and however many others to, to be welded together. The Lord is coming soon. Maybe, to, maybe, maybe morning, night, or noon, but He's coming soon. How about, how about prayer? That'll help a lot. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We can't do that properly without a thankful heart. And, and a thankful heart goes along with this like-mindedness. In verse 7, we see a guarding of the heart. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. How about every church member experiencing the, the peace of God guarding our hearts? That, that goes along with being of one mind in a great way. How about this for the most important one? Gazing upon Christ, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of, a, of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. That's, an, that's a much more improved thinking than getting one's own way. Look to Christ and gaze upon Christ and think on Him. We'll think of ourselves a whole lot less. We'll think a whole lot less of ourselves when we're gazing upon Christ, the one who's worthy to be praised, a bringing together Lord and Savior like we have. Think on Him. You know what? They're guided by Paul too. Look in chapter 4 here, verse 9. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, when you, 
when you receive a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to buffet you, then, then God can use you to say things like that in His Word. And, and so they're guided by Paul. Though Paul's absent, they have the present recollection they can have of the example, the message he preached, the manner of his life among them and, and between everyone. They were guided by Paul. And, and, and we might think that that's about it, but, but in verses 10 through 18, we're not going to read all of that, but you all know what that is. That is Paul commending this church for their generosity. They gave. They gave over and over to him. They helped him in his time of need. But there's not only maybe the thought of a generosity there. It says in verse 10, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. There was a time they couldn't give, but they were careful. This is the same word as the word mind in chapter 2 and verse 2, chapter 2 and verse 5, chapter 3 and verse 15, chapter 3, verse 16, chapter 3, verse 19, and chapter 4, verse 2. This is from the same word as all of that that we share, to be of the same mind in the Lord, be like-minded one to another, be fused together in one spirit. And, and hear, hear the slant on this word, careful. That's the word, if I didn't point that out. Careful is the word that's the same as those other words. And it says to take thought of, to have a care for one. So how about this for an underlying message here in this. Paul saying, esteem one another the way you're esteeming me. You had a careful, passionate thought for me. that You were hindered. You were what? You lacked opportunity, but you wanted to be a blessing to me, to give to me. Your thoughts were of, of me, to take thought of, to have a care for one. What a great answer to their need. The remedy for the rebuke that has been given. To two here, but know that that's always contagious. And how many more need it? You know, just something popped in my head that, that just kind of goes along with this. Two preachers were talking, and one preacher was talking about going to another church, and the other preacher said, said, why don't you treat the church you're in the way you would treat a new church? You know, and the same, same goes for the church. You know, why don't you treat the pastor the way you treat a new pastor? That, that, that's how I got over on a, at my first camp I preached here. I looked for a guest speaker. Strike one, strike two. After strike three, I quit looking, and it was me. I said, Lord, it must be me. So I went to camp and stood before them, and I said, you just pretend you don't know me, and I don't know you, and there's a fresh new preacher before you. Wow. Let's just, let's just cut cut to the chase here and close this. Anywhere there is self-pursuit, we'll find division. 
anywhere there is Savior pursuit. How are we going to know we're truly pursuing the Savior? There's going to be like-minded believers. Wow, that's, that's good guidance for Philippi. They're doing good, but they got some good guidance in here. That's not only good for Philippi. That's good for every single one of us. Let us bow to the Lord in a word of prayer tonight. And I'm going to ask Brother Barry Farr, remember to pray for him, and I'm going to ask our dear brother and deacon to close us in prayer.